Yes, I'm here with Anwen Stone. I'm here with her hubby, Andy Stone, who loses more weight during fasting seasons than anyone on the team. It's really funny. You're not, you've never really been fat ever, but you lose so much weight on these fans. I'm a lot fatter since I moved here and I, and I embraced fully my call as a missionary to eat a lot from Thanksgiving to Christmas. Have you lost weight? I mean, have you gained weight since you moved here? Oh yeah, definitely. Probably about 20 pounds. What? What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I went to England, I think I lost eight pounds in three days. Yeah. You know what I swear I think it is? I don't think it's just calories. I think it's additives. Yeah, it, it is. We put everything in yeah. our food. It's salt and sugar, and you basically your yeah. water, your body has yeah. to fill up with water. Everything. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you can't sleep. When y'all first moved here, you put cups of water beside your bed. Oh, we yes. wake up in the night like. like <sighs> yeah. What is that on my tongue? <laughs> wow. And now you're one of us. Yeah. Where's a Tony Chacher? Pass that. Yeah. <laughs> this is what the devil specializes. Yes, he's the accuser of the brethren, Satan in Hebrew, but we all know this. He loves deception. And he's very good at it. I told my wife recently on a date night, and she kind of stared at me, but I said, you want to know who I really respect? I said, I really respect the devil. I hate him, but I really respect him, seriously. Think about how good he is at deception. There is a message that has infiltrated the church that I go into the book, I call it Disney Grace. Others like Dr. Michael Brown call it Hyper Grace. And even when I say those two words, because I pastor a church here on the ground in Greenville, South Carolina, I can't tell you how many people that triggers when I say hyper grace or Disney grace. I want to talk about the metanoia at hand. The deceiver has played his role to usher in a message of grace into the Father's church, specifically the charismatic stream, where the it sounds so wonderful to talk about love and redemption redemption, which we all know we need in love. But what has happened is there has been a deception in the middle of that message that has turned grace into something that you can't find in the Bible, specifically the New Testament. What's happened in this Disney grace stream thing? What's going on? Well, I think it was a very important message and um, for people to really find the love of the Father and know who He is. I think for... Um, for generations, there's been a, a fear um, in, a, in a wrong way. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I can relate to this God. Even you write in your book about how the Catholic Church uh, often loved Mary because she seems, you know, somebody you can relate to, whereas yeah. the Father's really scary. Um, there's a misconception of who the Father is. Um, that needed to be recorrected with, you know, he's kind. But but the pendulum swing has taken it to a, a place of, he, you know, if, in your Disney metaphor, just dissociate into this happy place, whereas actually he wants to take us by the hand and lead us into fullness of life. He wants to lead us um, into freedom. And freedom means facing things. It means you don't get to stay in your mess, um, that grace actually does something. It, it transforms you and it makes you more like him. The, the journey for us is to become like Jesus, like his son. He came to adopt us and, and win his family back. And we need to know who he is. And he's, he is holy. He is holy through and through. And, and that, is, that is something that we have to adapt to him. He's not gonna to adapt to us. Um, so. 
Michael, pretty much everything in life, all five capitals, there's a metric. Uh, I can measure how tall you are right now. I can put you on scale. What do you, what do you weigh? Uh, if I read 20 books in a year, well, I can measure how many books I read. When it comes to spiritual capital, it seems to be a little more mysterious for people. It's like, I don't know how to measure that. Well, I kind of do. I've been looking at it for a while. From Genesis to Revelation, I can tell you how you can measure friendship with God. And it's this big, scary word, obedience. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the way, the word, this message has been, uh, I'm, I'm overgeneralizing, but pinned as legalism. Because, yeah. man, don't you talk about obedience? Because all you need to do is talk about the kindness of the Father, because the kindness is what leads man to repentance. Well, that's Romans 2 4. Read Romans 2 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why is it? And I know what you're probably going to say, Ephesians 6, 12. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Why is it that we're so afraid to talk about, is it just the devil? Is he the one behind this thing where we're, we're so lopsided towards identity that we don't talk about obedience anymore? I don't, I don't How have think, we gotten here? Yeah, I don't think so. I think uh, building off what just Andy was saying is that I think swinging, swinging the pendulum to the other side and, and we only see the kindness side of the Father robs us of the theology of suffering. So, you know, Hebrews, Hebrews says that Jesus had uh, to learn obedience by what he suffered. I mean, think about that verse. He had to learn obedience by what he suffered. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, literally to, to grow in obedience, following the voice as we're being led, it requires you going through suffering. And I think, uh, I think the damage to a lot of our, our, our culture and our generation is that that uh, swinging the pendulum so far has removed this idea that we actually have to suffer with Jesus or we have to suffer through pain and hurtful times and consequences, uh, things that we have to go through. There's, there's a pain in the gospel uh, that we have to walk through, we have to go through. And, um, and I believe that's actually how we learn obedience. Um, that's that's how we learn obedience is we have to go through hard, hard times. And like what Annie was saying was such a good word about, man, we want to disassociate from that pain or we want to avoid that pain at all costs. And it and it actually presents an immature and an incomplete side of the gospel, um, not the full gospel that Jesus is proclaiming to us. I think that's one of the backbones of this book is a proper biblical view of theology of suffering. Mm-hmm. I don't equate suffering with sickness. I equate, I equate suffering, a couple of examples I write about in the book is uh, Jesus sinless, perfect, and the Father ushers him into a desert where he's tempted by the devil. That is dramatic. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to Gethsemane, and it's so bad there. He says, Father, take this cup from me. Neither one of those have anything to do with sickness. I think uh, specifically the Reform movement loves to, to hunker down so much on the theology of suffering where it's almost as though you're trying to uh, to find pain. That the, the purpose is not to pursue pain. The purpose is to pursue Jesus. And many times he will take us through our own pain. Uh, we're, we're noticing and find him there. Uh, was it C.S. Lewis that says God shouts to us in our pain? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a proponent of pursuing pain. I'm a proponent of pursuing God. But here's what happened in the Disney stream of things. We presented the gospel more as Advil, where it's really disassociation. So instead of going through journeys of crucifixion in our own lives, which by the way, if you have an assignment on your life, I think it's a minimum of seven crucifixions in your life. And some people are like, crucifixions? What the heck are you talking about? A crucifixion might mean uh, working for three or four years for a boss that you don't like, may not even be in Christ, and God has sovereignly assigned you to serve that person's mission and vision when they don't even like you, maybe. 
uh, it's going through a really tight, tight, squeezing uh, season. This book is about obedience and the fear of the Lord, even when it hurts. Um, the person filming me right now is a spiritual son to me. His name is Armando Ramos, and he made some really bad mistakes in his life, left his family, some really poor decisions. And uh, when he moved here, he and his wife, Shayla, who's a spiritual daughter to Wendy and I, they had already reconciled and they were on the right path. But when Armando got here, uh, the first meeting I ever had with him, I said, I said, what changed it for you? And he said, it was actually an encounter with the Father more than Jesus. But I noticed something about Armando, different than most. I never had to make Armando face his pain. He faced it. And I have watched, of all the spiritual sons I've had, I have watched an explosive growth in Armando. And I've noticed that there's a predictable pattern. He didn't skirt the pain. He didn't run around it. You know, my story is not Armando's story. Um, I had a nervous breakdown coming off medications that really hurt my body. Armando made some decisions and left his family. Well, the answer to wholeness is, is actually the same template. And that is allowing the Father to lead us through our pain, not around it. Ultimately, that's what Disney grace is. It says that Jesus died for you and you'll never have to go through pain. That's just not true. A lot of people are looking for God in all the wrong places. He typically will lead us through the valley of the shadow of death and doubt. He will lead us through our Gethsemanes. And when you find God in those tough places, no one will ever take it from you. Wendy and I have discipled a lot of people a lot over the years. And I have noticed uh, analytics of this. Most people, when it gets too painful, they just bail and they'll always blame someone else for what they're not in God. And other people will choose the path of Armando and Shayla. And they will face it head on. And there's others like Armando and Shayla. If you will hang in there long enough with God in your pain, you will find a level of connection with Him that you can't get anywhere else. For you two, I'll, I'll go with Anwen. You guys have been on a journey. You moved across the world. Yeah. And I remember prophesying over you. <laughs> and I want to talk about this because a lot, a lot of people think that the prophetic, you only call out the golden mm -hmm. people. That's Disney. You, you come in the opposite spirit. How about the prophetic being you say what God says when he says, and you do it tenderly. But some words, as a watchman, you give a lot of hard words. I said, it is going to be very difficult process for this visa. It's going to be a lot longer than you're thinking. Be at peace. You move into Andy's parents' house. Y'all got squeezed. How long did it take to get over here? And what did God show you through that crucifixion season? Oh, my goodness. Um, so we got the first sign that the Lord was speaking about us coming here in 2015. You were just saying before how Andy walked through the door behind us and mm. you took one look at him and said, you're going to work here. That was November 2015. It took until October 2018 for us to be here. But in that process, we knew the Father had made it clear to us by 2017, which meant that we, because we wanted to live with integrity, had to tell our family, had to tell our church that we were leading at the time we were senior pastors of a church, had to tell our team, um, had to sell our house. All of this time we're waiting for paperwork in faith that the Lord will provide it for us because there was no guarantee. And in that season, it was such a squeezing. I think that the suffering that you're talking about in my life has been getting me out of me. 
Mm. It's like these circumstances and these these places of pressure that he puts you in to so deeply depend on him and trust mm. him for things you cannot do yourself. And I think in the past, for our whole season, I would say that every time the Lord asked us to do something, we said yes really quickly and we did it. But this was a, a season of we, our, our yes was there, but the circumstances were so difficult. We weren't in control of them in any way. And it made us entirely dependent on him, which is really good. The other side of it, because I know he called us here. So everything we faced this side of, of that journey, I know that he brought us here. You know, so there's such confidence in that. But the squeezing is so uncomfortable. It's like everything in you squealing and wanting to jump off that altar. We want to be in control. Basically. Yeah. And he doesn't let us because he knows it's not good for us. He wants us to be free. He wants us to trust. He wants us to be childlike in, in how we relate to him. And yeah. um, to have everything, that control completely taken away from you makes you ask the question, who am I and who are you? What, you know, what's going on right now? Eugene Peterson said the point of the spiritual life is death. Mm -hmm. uh, let me ask you this. I, uh, years back, I'm not good with dating things. I was on a couple of Darren Wilson's uh, documentary films talking about the, the goodness of God and signs and wonders. I, I have a book called Signs, Wonders, and a Baptist Preacher. Uh, I believe in all of that. I love praying for the sick. I love the prophetic. I love the supernatural. When I was on uh, two of his films, I met a lot of people. I began to hear a statement, and I, I would hear, I heard it over and over and over, um, God is always in a good mood. And I, I chewed on it a lot for years, because when I go to the book, when I go to Revelation, Five of the seven letters that Jesus writes to his church, goodness gracious, I, I wouldn't say he's in a good mood. And then, but but I, I'm so I was I wrestled for so long. He is the bad English, the most good person I've ever met. I had a radical encounter with Jesus. Two angels. I have never felt love like that in my life. He healed me. I should be dead right now. Uh, I was dying emotionally. Um, I had a nervous breakdown. I was physically not well at all. I know I'm, he is the kindest person. I've written two books on how kind he is. But I always wrestle with that statement of like, wait a minute, he's always in a good mood. Because when I carve up the New Testament and read Paul, he's escorting some people out of local church, names their two names. I could go on and on and on. Jesus, five letters, um, Ananias and Sapphira. I believe God is always good. Here's what I think, Michael, I want to hear your thoughts on it. I'm about to turn 50, been in, been in leadership for 25 years. Everywhere I travel, most people inside of Christ or outside of Christ tend to want to live in a ditch because it just feels more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, seriously, I, I preach at, hey, where'd you go? I preached at a Reformed church. Hey, where'd you go? I preached at a Pentecostal church. Ever since the Protestant Reformation, one of the bad things about that is now we have 10 billion ditches. <laughs> Uh, people don't tend to like paradox. So it's uh, how in the world can God be good and severe, kind and severe? We have a hard time uh, holding things in tension. And very rarely will you meet someone that can read uh, Calvin and Greg Boyd at the same time. I mean, even me saying that will trigger the poo out of people. I mean, Piper wanted Greg Boyd to be excommunicated from the church. Yes. Why do we have such a hard time reading Wesley and um, 
Luther at the same time. What is this about? Why do we hate about paradox? I have a, I have a few thoughts on it. Um, I think one of the ones that uh, maybe the why behind it is um, I think a lot of the way we view God and our perception of Him matters. And so a lot of us, that comes from how we are raised by our parents. So if we have parents, what kind of upbringing we had, authority figures, that that really plays into how we perceive God when we when we believe in Him and when we meet Him. Um, that's something that I've always stuck with me. Uh, something else, though, that really, really hits me is why do people have a hard time with that? It's because it's almost as if we're trying to extract the humanity side out of Jesus. And uh, I think if we just park at he's always in a good mood, um, we remove that he's also human. And because there's a human side to Jesus, remember he said that he he uh, he sympathized with every form of weakness that we carried. And so there's emotions, there's human emotions as anger and, and crying and weeping and feeling good, feeling sad. Those are all emotions that Jesus carries, that he has, because there's the humanity side of him. And so I think if we, like you're saying, if we park and just, he's just uh, in a good mood all the time, then we actually do ourselves a disservice in experiencing the um, the other emotions that Jesus has, that he had as a human, if that makes sense. A lot of charismatic books are about promotion, blessing. There should be just as many books on demotion. Demotion is just as real as promotion in the kingdom. Really? Yes. Uh, but you just don't, you don't hear many teachings on that, but, but it really is true. Um, and I, I think that this book is just to start a conversation to perhaps you just need to wrestle with paradox uh, in the kingdom walking with the Father. Miriam, do we have any questions? Not yet, but this is your chance. So if you have any questions on the conversation so far, go ahead and chat them in to the chat on the YouTube. Andy, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Uh, Paul says, I died daily. Mm-hmm. What in... what? death and die. I mean, even over the years here, for seven years I've been preaching on fear of the Lord, which a lot of people don't like that. It is an unbelievable way to shrink a church to preach on fear of the Lord. Yeah, I mean, you got a lot of pastors that cut up credit cards and pay people's debt off and God's always in a good mood and he's happy, happy. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? I mean, I spend a lot of money on a bed. I don't sleep on a bed of nails at night. There's nothing wrong with comfort. But then you read Paul and he said, I die daily. We watch him go on this progression in his life of the more he suffered, the actual more contentment he found. 2022, for just a normal person, what does it look like to die daily? What's he talking about there? Well, I was even thinking about Jesus who said, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me. Um, There's there's a laying down of our agendas, Mm -hmm. our ways, our control, our fears, um, our, our pursuit of happiness all of those things um, to say, no, you are Lord, Mm -hmm. Jesus is Lord. And I get to love him with all of my being because he first loved me. How could could he love me and bring me into life? But also um, listen carefully to when he's saying, no, be obedient on this. Um, Follow me is not pray a prayer once in a meeting sometime but it's, it's actually today, what's on your heart? Um, how, can I, how can I be obedient in this moment right now to what you're saying? And sometimes that's not comfortable. Uh, 
even having, you know, to have hard conversations with people that you need to have. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that's not fun. Um, like you say, it's not fun to, to preach on things that make people uncomfortable. Um, but it actually is the journey to life because it's in dying that you receive life. It's unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Mm-hmm. And I know Jesus is talking about himself there. But he's talking about many seeds that get to follow him, get to be like him, get to honor the father with this is all of me every day, every moment, 24-7 Christianity. And let's close here. Resurrection power can only hit and resurrect someone or something that's dead. Why, uh, Why fight the recipe of fruit? All we have to do is let go. I'm thinking of the rich young ruler right now. Uh, he would have gotten more. He would have found his life if he had just let go. I've, I've often heard uh, that, well, men struggle with lust and women struggle with control. I've heard that so often. It's overgeneralized. I think every human on earth struggles with control. Yeah. I don't know of anybody that really likes to be caught off guard or to go through a Gethsemane or a mm-hmm. desert. Who <laughs> Dark night of the soul. If you like it, something's probably wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, What's keeping someone from just doing this and laying it down? What's keeping them? They want to be in control. I mean, you go back to the garden. It was about being God. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, in my own life, the reason that I, I mean, I was brought up in a Christian home and I'd heard all of this, but I actually had to get to a place where I realized that me being God didn't work. And I had to, I actually knelt down in my university room at college, you'd call it. And I had to say to Jesus, I want you to now be my Lord because I'm not good at this. Those were my words. And that was the point where everything changed in my life. So what holds us back is wanting to be in control, not trusting him. But it changes everything. That one simple yes, that one simple, I don't even know what this is going to look like. I don't know what the future holds but I know you enough to say yes. You were on cocaine, other drugs. Your dad said, this is it. This is the last go. The best thing ever happened to you is hit rock bottom. Yes. You found God in rehab. Mm-hmm. But even in rehab, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's interesting because you surrendered your life. You, you said yes to Jesus, but you also laid your life down. Because mm-hmm. these, these are not the same things. Right. So the message of the kingdom in the Gospels is not just going somewhere when I die. A lot of it is here and now. So like the rich man, where the Lord says it's easier for a rich man, basically what he's getting, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about when he dies. Yeah, He's talking about here because you have to lay it down. It's pretty easy to say yes to Jesus when you're faced with the eternal question of heaven or hell. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not... <laughs> but you did something else at rehab. My life is yours. Yeah, And then he, he's... He talked to you about a tree you were looking at. What did he say? Well, he just said, um, if if you be obedient to me, I will bless you like the bark on this pine tree. And it was a massive pine tree with a lot of bark. I said, ooh, I'd like to have all that. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. I'm, I'm going to be obedient. And um, that's been one step at a time, absolutely. Um, there's, there's something else I'd like to share. You I share something else? I um I also want to take that into something. I, I want to share what I what I loved about mm-hmm. about Chad's book. Um and I, I highly encourage mm-hmm. everyone to read this book. It is phenomenal. 
Um, I actually read it in a day. It's, uh, Chad is a, a well-spoken communicator, but he also writes really well where you can read it. But in this message, in this book, he talks about a reformation that's at hand. And that reformation is about a methodology in the church and specifically discipleship. And I probably want to say that's been one of the most personal uh, life-changing things for me in probably the last three years since uh, the Lord moved Amber and I up to Greenville, South Carolina, and just being a part of this community. I actually, I, I get the privilege of not just to read it, but I, I could actually say I walked through it. Yeah. And um, it has done so much, I know, in my life and Amber's, but I, it's I, it's more than that. It's the word of the hour. I feel like I feel like the message in this book, the reformation of, of how we do church and, and the, the, the thrust of discipleship that's presented here is, is massive. And I feel like there's so many hungry in the body of Christ uh, for this message right now. Um, and, and we've just had, we don't have many messengers to deliver it. And so I, I feel like in many ways, this book is a forerunner, um, a voice, if you will, that's really preparing the way uh, just for a new wave of discipleship. And so I just, I, I know there's a lot, but I wanted to insert that. I've really enjoyed that book. When I, when I wrote the book, uh, the father showed me a picture of John the Baptist a lot in my spirit. And, uh, wow. I, and I, do, I do believe that the last three chapters can really help a lot of leaders. I talk about tent home city. I don't know if you know this or not. We've had a worldwide pandemic for the last two years. Pretty crazy right now. Feels pretty shaky. And I think right now what's happening is you don't have to be a prophet to see that even the model of the church is changing. So in a time of shaking, because God's shaking his temple, do I think he sent COVID? No. I think he's riding on the heels of it. In a time of shaking, maybe uh, you read this and say, what if my life orbited around tent home city? I explained what that is. Maybe, just maybe, the kingdom is advancing in the marketplace uh, for the first time in a long, long time. If you want to get the book, go to Amazon, go to Barnes Noble, go to a Christian bookstore. Not many of those left around anymore, but you can find it there. Uh, you can find it on our website. Amazon's probably the best place. Jeff Bezos makes a lot of money for a reason. He pretty much sells anything and everything. Thanks for being a part of tonight. And uh, join us at thegardengreenville.com if you're interested in continuing the conversations or our Garden Global website. What's the name of that website? Garden Global. See, they're right there, <laughs> Garden Global. You can check it out there. We have some shows. We have a show with Andy, uh, with uh, Anwin and Wendy. Coming soon. Yep, yep, Grace and Truth. Yep, coming soon. Really excited about that. Yes. Really, then, really excited. And then Coach and Joe <laughs> is just a, a, a show that helps leaders learn how to really do all this stuff in the lives of real people. Let me pray for us, and I appreciate you being part of tonight. Father, I do thank you um, for everyone listening to this, whether it's live or listening to it recorded. And like the kid with fish and bread, I just give you that uh, this book. I ask that you help as many people as possible for your fame, your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 See you later.